26. Over the last couple of Wednesdays and Sunday, we have kind of been following the last week of Jesus' life. Jesus rode into Jerusalem that final time humbly on a donkey. Jesus ate that last supper with his disciples and showed true humility as he washed his disciples' feet, giving us an example of how we are to live as followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus proceeded to go with Peter, James, and John into the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed and awaited what was about to happen to him. Jesus had come for one purpose and one reason, and that was to give his life on a cross for you and I. And as that time approached, you can tell by Jesus' prayer that this was certainly a difficult time for him. He very well may have been the Son of God, but that did not mean that what he was about to experience was not going to be difficult. And so Jesus prayed in the garden, Father, if there is any way, let this cup pass from me. But not my will be done, but your will be done. And that's where we take up the story here this morning. Let us pray, and we'll get into God's Word. Father God, we come to you today, and I thank you for your Word. God, there is nothing better that we can read today than your word. God, there is nothing better than I can say today than your word spoken to us through those who penned it. So God, I pray that as we have come into this place today, that we are a group that has come into this place looking for you, dear Lord. God, maybe there are some this morning that that didn't come into this building looking for you. I pray that even in this moment, that you would convict them. God, that you would open their ears, that you would open their eyes to hear your word, dear Lord. We come here today, God, with our problems, with our struggles, with our pain, with our sins, whatever it may be, dear Lord. We come here. But God, however we have come here today, you want to meet us where we are. But God, let us look for you. Let us seek you. And God, let us find you today. Let your Holy Spirit speak any word that comes through my mouth. For your glory, dear Lord, take away any pride or any nerves I have. And God, I pray that you would move in the lives of each one of us today. God, that we are not just here to to fill a pew and to check a box, but God, we find you. And that when we leave, dear Lord, we take you with us. God, when we leave, we leave rejoicing, knowing that Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross so that we could be forgiven. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 26, verse 47. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, suddenly arrived. A large mob with swords and clubs was with him from the chief priests and elders of the people. His betrayer had given them a sign. The one I kiss, he's the one. Arrest him. So we went right up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Friend, Jesus asked him, Why have you come? Then they came up, took hold of Jesus, and arrested him. At that moment, one of those with Jesus reached out his hand and drew his sword. He struck the high priest's slave and cut off his ear. 
Then Jesus told him, Put your sword back in its place, because all who take up a sword will perish by a sword. Or do you think that I cannot call on my Father, and he would provide me at once with more than twelve legions of angels? How then would the Scripture be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a criminal to capture me? Every day I used to sit teaching in the temple complex, and you didn't arrest me. But all this has to happen so that the prophetic scriptures would be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and ran away. Those who had arrested Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had convened. Meanwhile, Peter was following him at a distance, right at the high priest's courtyard. He went in and was sitting with the temple police to see the outcome. The chief priest and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false testimony against Jesus so they could put him to death, but they could not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two who came forward stated, This man said, I can demolish God's sanctuary and rebuild it in three days. The high priest then stood up and said to him, Don't you have an answer to what these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. Then the high priest said to him, By the living God, I place you under oath. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said it, Jesus told him. But I tell you, in the future you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and says, He is blasphemed. Why do we still need witnesses? Look, now you've heard the blasphemy. What is your decision? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and beat him. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah. Who hit you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant approached him and said, You were with Jesus the Galilean too. But he denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about. When he had gone out to the gateway, another woman saw him and told those who were there, This man was with Jesus the Nazarene. And again he denied it with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there approached and said to Peter, you certainly are one of them, since even your accent gives you away. Then he started to curse and to swear with an oath, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. When daybreak came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. After tying him up, they led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was full of remorse and returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. I have sinned by betraying innocent blood, he said. What's that to us, they said. See to it yourself. So he threw the silver into the sanctuary and departed. Then he went and hanged himself. The chief priest took the silver and said, It's not lawful to put it into the temple treasury since it's blood money. So they conferred together and brought the potter's field with it as a burial place for foreigners. Therefore the field has been called blood field to this day. Then what was spoken through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. 
They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him whose price was set by the Israelites, and they gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus answered, You have said it. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he didn't answer. Then Pilate said to him, Don't you hear how much they're testifying against you? But he didn't answer him even on one charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. At the festival, the governor's custom was to release to the crowd a prisoner they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Who is it you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Messiah? For he knew they handed him over because of envy. While he was sitting on the judge's bench, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for today I've suffered terribly in a dream because of him. The chief priests and the elders, however, persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to execute Jesus. The governor asked them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Barabbas, they answered. Pilate asked them, What should I do then with Jesus, who is called Messiah? They all answered, Crucify him. Then he said, Why? What has he done wrong? But they kept shouting, Crucify him all the more. Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that a riot was starting instead. He took some water, washed his hands in front of the crowd, and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. All the people answered, His blood be on us and our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. But after having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldier took Jesus into headquarters and gathered the whole company around him. They stripped him and dressed him in a scarlet military robe. They twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and placed a reed in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews! And then they spit on him, took the reed, and kept hitting him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe, put his clothes on him, and led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they found a Cyrenian man named Simon. They forced this man to carry his cross. When they came to a place called Golgotha, which means skull place, they gave him wine mixed with gall to drink. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. After crucifying him, they divided his clothes by casting lots. When they sat down and were guarding him there, Above his head, they put up the charge against him in writing. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then two criminals were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. Those who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, The one who would demolish the sanctuary and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests, but the scribes and elders mocked him and said, He saved others, but he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He has put his trust in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am God's son. In the same way, even the criminals who were crucified with him kept taunting him. 
From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemmest the bachthanai. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, fixed it on a reed, and offered him a drink. But the rest said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. Jesus shouted again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. Here, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, who had sinned in no way, who had done no wrong, was betrayed by one friend. He was denied by another. He was beaten and mocked by his own people. And they chose a sinner over a Savior. What would we have done had we have been there in that day? Would we have been like Judas? Would we have betrayed Jesus for some of the possessions of the world? Perhaps you say, not I. But then again, maybe we do it every day. Maybe on a regular basis there are things that God calls us to or not to. And we choose the world over Jesus. We may not want to admit it, but maybe we are no better than Judas. Perhaps we are no better than Peter. Perhaps we would sit here today with all the boldness in the world and say, Jesus, I would never deny you. But yet even Peter, who had walked side by side with Jesus, when it came down to it, he denied Jesus. And perhaps you and I do the same thing. Perhaps if we had been in the crowd that day, we would have been the ones who would have been cheering him on. Perhaps we would have been the ones who said, crucify him. You say, not me. Maybe us. You say, if I would have been in the crowd that day, I wouldn't have chosen Barabbas over Jesus. But perhaps you would have. And perhaps you do. Because every time we choose sin over the word of God, over what Jesus Christ commands us to, are we not making the same decision to choose the sinner over the Savior, to choose the sin over the Son of God? And so you see, we may look at this story and say, those horrible people. But maybe if we are honest, if we looked in the mirror, we could say the same of ourselves. But of all that those people did to Jesus and of all the ways that we betray Jesus and deny Jesus and choose our sin instead of Jesus, Jesus still went to the cross. And he did it for them and he did it for you and I. Now I believe if we were to ask Jesus today, Jesus, was it worth it? For all that those people did to you, for all that these sinners sitting in Enterprise Baptist Church on April the 9th, 2023, for all that they have done, dear Lord, for all the sin that they continue to do, Jesus, was it worth it? I believe the answer that Jesus would say would be yes. It was worth it. 
Jesus would say it is worth your soul that you could be forgiven, that you could be with Him for all of eternity if you would put your faith in Him. Of all that Jesus endured, He endured it for you and I. And it was worth it. But what if I ask you the same question today? For all the things that you choose in life, for all the things that you do in life, is it worth it? Is it worth when all is said and done what you do and the end of your life comes? If I were to ask you the question, is it worth it? What would the answer be? Even in your life right now in this moment, of all that your life has been, whatever you have done, whatever choices you have made, if I ask you right now this morning where you sit, is it worth it? Is it, worth the, is it worth the greed? Is it worth the lies? Is it worth the cheating? Is it worth the lust? Is it worth the affairs? Is it worth the drama? Is it worth the fighting? Is it worth all this stuff that we do? Is it worth it? You see, we live in all these sins, and it's not worth it. We see where our sin gets us. It gets us into trouble. It gets us depressed. It gets us angry. It gets us to feeling hopeless. That's where our sin gets us. I don't know what your sin is. We all have different sin, but our sins puts us in a place that we do not, to, not want to be. Is the sin worth the things that we are going through now? The health things that we're experiencing, the broken relationships that we experience, the broken families that we experience, are all the things that we have chosen over Jesus Christ, are they worth it? And the answer to that is no, and you know the answer to that is no. But there is one thing in your life that should you choose it, if I were to ask you the question, is it worth it, you would say yes, and that is a lifetime of putting your faith in Jesus Christ. He makes it all worth it. Jesus said, it's worth it for me to die on a cross for every one of you. Regardless of the sin that you have committed, Jesus says, repent and come to me. Give me your sin. Jesus says, I will take it. I have taken it by being nailed to the cross on your behalf. And Jesus, for Jesus, it was worth it. But what of us today? What will be our choice? We are faced with the same choice of those who were there during Jesus' life. There were some who chose to follow Jesus, and there were some who chose to reject him. Where do you stand today? You can choose the way of this world today. You can choose to live in the sin you have been living in, and it is not worth it. There is no joy. There is no peace. There is no comfort in that. But there is great joy and peace and comfort in Jesus Christ. There is forgiveness of sins. Let us be those today who in this moment when we see what Jesus did for us, let us not be those who continue to live a life of sin and rejection of Jesus Christ, but let us be those who humbly go to the cross of Jesus Christ to know that there is forgiveness of our sins today and there is forgiveness and no other. Jesus gave his life so you could be forgiven. There is no sin that you have committed that is too great for Jesus to forgive. You may say, well, you don't know what I've done. I don't know what you've done. I don't need to know what you've done. Jesus knew what you did the day that he gave his life on a cross and he died for you anyway. If you've not put your faith in Jesus Christ, I pray today that you would repent, 
that you would put your faith in Jesus Christ, that you would live for him. Maybe today you've come here and you've done that. Maybe you've put your faith in Jesus, but maybe you have been living for the world and you realize that there is no joy in the world. You realize today that living for the world is not worth it. But I want to tell you, if you put your faith in Jesus and trust him, it will be worth it for all of eternity. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for your good word, dear Lord. I pray, God, that you help us to recognize what Jesus did on our behalf. God, I pray that you would help us to look long and hard at our lives so that we are not those who betray Jesus for the love of the world. God, that we are not those who deny Jesus when the going gets tough. God, that we are not those who choose sin over a Savior. But the fact of the matter is, God, we are all of those things. We are betrayers and deniers and sin choosers. But Jesus went to the cross for just those type of people. So God, we thank you for Jesus and what he did. God, I pray that if there are any in this room that do not have faith in Jesus today, that they would repent of their sin. God, that they would no longer choose the ways of the world, but they would choose to follow Jesus Christ. God, maybe there are some here today and they are yours and they have put their faith in you and they followed you at one point, but God, maybe their life has led them down a path that's led them away from you. God, I pray that everyone in this room would repent today should there be something we need to repent of. Let it come to our hearts and let it come to our minds in these next few moments as we sing, dear Lord. God, we thank you that we can come here today. We thank you for this passage of Scripture, this reminder. And God, I pray that above all, that everyone in this room today would know that you love them. God, you know where they are. You know the sin that they have committed. You know the choices that they have made. And God, perhaps there are some in this room that are tired of living the way that they have lived. God, let them know today that there is freedom in Jesus Christ. And I pray, God, that even in this moment that they would repent and ask for forgiveness of their sins. God, and if one has put their faith in Jesus Christ today for the first time, God, I pray that as we sing, they had come forward so we can rejoice with them and we can baptize them, dear Lord, just as Jesus has commanded us to do. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.